Hello, I'm John Rossi, a touring drummer with a love of all things animal. When I'm on the road, I visit as many zoos, aquariums. Hey, wait a minute. What's going on? Hey, what's going on there? Hello? Hello? We interrupt your regularly scheduled program to bring you Rossafari Zoo News. News you can use from the world of zoos and conservation. Every week, we bring you breaking news and analysis from around the globe, featuring the animals you love and the people who care for them. And here's your anchorman, John Rossi. Ah, 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 ah. Oh, no, no, no. You are mistaken, my friend, as there is no John Rossi here. No, instead, it is I, the crazy-voiced man who did the spooky spectacular last year. Ah, ah, ah. And today, in honor of Halloween, you will be getting an entire episode of Zoo News in this accent. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Seriously, what would be more of a horror story than that? Hello, 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 and welcome y'all back to Rossafari Zoo News. I'm guessing you all know this by now, but hey, if you're new here, first of all, like, welcome. That's cool. Hi. And second of all, uh, this is Rossafari Zoo News, where I will be bringing you the news from the world of zoos, aquariums, and conservation and, like, general animal stuff. It's crowdsourced news, so uh, while I do do my own digging, if you happen to see a story that you think would fit this podcast, then go ahead and email it to me, rossafaripod at gmail.com, or tag me in it on the socials, at rossafari on Insta, Twitter, and Facebook, or at rossafaripod on TikTok. So this is the part of Zoo News where I fill you in on what's going on in my life and how I'm doing and all that good stuff. But um, as I mentioned last week, I'm doing these couple episodes on the road. And uh, in order to make my life a little bit easier whilst on a tour bus, I decided to pre-record some of these intros and outros and stuff. Um, so I don't really know how I'm doing, but I'm going to go out on a limb and tell you this. Y'all, tour has been so much fun so far. I'm hanging out with my friends. I'm having a great time. I love sleeping on a tour bus. That is, that I can tell you. I love sleeping on a tour bus. I sleep like a baby. And I've probably gone to some cool zoos and, and maybe even gotten to do an interview or two, or maybe not because I still don't have confirmations as I'm recording this. But things are going really well regardless because I love being on tour and I love playing music for people. And uh, I can always edit this if that has changed for some reason. But I'm going to hope that it hasn't. So, um, yeah, as I'm recording this, I am probably sitting uh, somewhere doing something, like maybe in a venue in a town that I've heard of or not before. And, um, yeah, life on the road is weird, y'all. I love it, but it is weird. And that is another thing that I can absolutely guarantee is true, regardless of where I am or how tour is actually going right now. But all right, so with all of that uncertainty and uh, assumption there, um, I guess we will get to our ad. Today's episode is brought to you by Daydreamer Studios. Do you have stories and expertise to share with the world? 
Have you ever thought about starting your own podcasts? There's no better time to start than now with the help of a trusted production partner. Daydreamer Studios is a full-service production company that takes all the stress off your plate. You can focus on creating engaging content while they focus on recording, editing, audio engineering, hosting, and publishing on 22 platforms. Log into the advanced remote system with one click and the Daydreamer team will be on the other end ready for you to record everything you have to say. Owned and operated by Daydreamer Network, Daydreamer Studios continues on the company's mission to empower storytellers of all kinds by making podcasting accessible to all. For more information and current promotions, visit daydreamernetwork.com studios. All right. So uh, nice job listening to that ad. Or if you skipped ahead, nice job skipping ahead. Hey, no judgment here. But regardless, you're not going to want to skip ahead anymore because it is time for... One, two, three, four. Ow, there's a funky monkey. Treat kangaroo. Or a binturong. It's news. Yeah. All right, so we are going to start off this week by doing our zoo COVID update. This week, both the Denver Zoo and the Hogel Zoo have announced COVID outbreaks amongst their big cats. That gets added to the list of, well, basically at this point, all the zoos that have COVID outbreaks or have had COVID outbreaks. Now, more and more zoos have started doing the animal vaccination against COVID. So uh, hopefully these stories start winding down a little bit. But um, this is a thing, y'all, and it is it is not going away. As a matter of fact, I have had some conversations off the record with some zookeepers, and I've discovered something interesting about all of this. While big cats and other huge animals like primates often get announced when they have COVID. There are actually a lot of smaller animals that can get COVID and have been getting COVID at zoos, but they're easy to just put behind the scenes or close that building down and say it's a public health issue. So actually, there are other animals that get COVID at zoos and have gotten COVID and um, it's, it's just not announced. Now, I go back and forth on my feelings about this because, as y'all know, I push for zoo transparency on this podcast all the time. But also, it's not like zoos announce every time that an animal gets sick or is under vet care or just needs to be off exhibit for a couple days. I will say that in, in talking to my sources here, none of these animals have died or had any, you know, craziness happen. They get sick. They get the sniffles. They get quarantined uh, for a couple days and and then they're fine and they get over it. But um, yeah, there are a lot of species out there that have gotten COVID that just haven't been announced because the public can't see it. So here's your weekly reminder, it seems, since this keeps coming up to, uh, you know, get your vaccination, get your booster if you can, take this seriously, wear your masks when you're supposed to, all that good stuff. Let's curb the spread of this disease for humans and animals. Yes? Yes. So, earlier this week, I got invited to join a group on Facebook that had been working to close a zoo. Sounds like something I wouldn't be into, but uh, in fact, I was, because this is a non-accredited zoo that had been horribly mistreating its animals. 
I should say allegedly mistreating its animals in case any lawyers for the zoo are listening. So, yeah, that. Anyway, Middlesex County in New Jersey has announced the closing of Johnson Park Animal Haven, with animals being moved to new homes across the state. The official reason for the closure is climate change. See, I told you all that stuff was going to start affecting animals at some point. (laughs) I know, like none of you believe that. But anyway, um, it happened that Hurricane Ida flooded the area of New Jersey that the park is located in, and it is now considered a floodplain at risk of future flooding. As a matter of fact, on the day I'm recording this, Wednesday, October 27th, uh, the zoo area is recovering from another flood that happened after a nor'easter hit the area yesterday. This area was traditionally not considered to be a floodplain, but climate change has changed all of that. It was really interesting seeing that while the flooding is the main issue being presented as the reason for the park's closure, that the animals were not well taken care of, that oftentimes they seemed to be not fed, there were not park staff around, and that citizens banded together to help get this facility closed down. It's been really cool going through the group that I was invited to be a part of and seeing all of the press that these people got and how they got petitions going and all kinds of really cool stuff. I am just so proud of these activists for doing what is right for the animals at this, quote, zoo. Thank you all for your hard work. It's nice to know that this kind of thing can pay off. We, we should probably talk sometime. I know of at least one facility that I'd like some people to take a look at. Ooh, but my lawyer is telling me that I should not say the name of the facility on the podcast right now. Granted, my lawyer is a stuffed red panda, but I'm going to take the advice anyway. There is a new app for zoo lovers in existence, and uh, I'm pretty excited to try it out. A gentleman by the name of Ron Borkowicz, I should really pre-read these things, eh, whatever, who lives in Appleton, Wisconsin, has developed a company named Photo Fun Safaris, which is an app that helps make going to the zoo more fun. Although I don't really know if that's possible. Not for me anyway. But this seems like a really cool app. So the idea is that it is an app that is a unique series of scavenger hunts, which are called safaris, that are designed for zoos throughout the world. There are different age levels, children, teen, and adults, and different levels of difficulty. But the idea is that as a user explores a zoo, points are awarded based on that level of difficulty, and they take photos of the animals in designated situations and upload them to the app's album. By finding the animals doing these specific behaviors, they get points and can also check out a fun facts section to learn more about the actual animals being photographed. So I guess the idea here is that each zoo has its own collection of animals and you would pull up the safari for that zoo and it'll have the proper animals and different behaviors that you need to try to find, photograph, and upload. For instance, there might be elephants playing with tires. You know, that's something that you might not see if you're there all day, but if you hang out, then you can spend the time at the exhibit that's more than the 17 seconds we always talk about and maybe get to see it and then get some points. Also, I'm really, really, really going to be disappointed if this app doesn't have tortoises mating in the um, adult section because that's just such a traditional zoo thing. 
and something that we talk about on the podcast a lot. I guess if this is your first episode, that just sounded like a weird thing to say. But if you've been listening for a while, you know what's up. Anyway, while there are some safari apps out there, and even one that kind of points to some zoo safari work, there's nothing like this out there yet. So I'm really excited to explore it and give it a shot. If you end up deciding to use this app, Photo Fun Safari, then let me know what zoo you use it at and how it works for you. I am really curious to hear what people think about this. The Columbus Zoo and Aquarium has welcomed a new animal, Strawberry, an orphaned female moose. This is one of those stories that I just love. Up in Alaska, a moose named Strawberry... I mean, she wasn't named that at the time. A moose that has since been named Strawberry was found on Strawberry Road in Anchorage, hence the name, uh, wandering alone. And locals observed her for two days and realized that she was truly alone and her mama wasn't there. So they called the Alaska Zoo, who took her in and cared for her. However, the Alaska Zoo is also dealing with other orphaned moose calves and also has their own population of adult moose, so they were unable to take care of Strawberry long-term. As such, it was determined that the Columbus Zoo would be a great home for Strawberry because, let's be honest, the Columbus Zoo would be a great home for anybody. Well, any animal. Anybody. I'd live there if they let me. So, Strawberry was sent to the zoo and will be making her permanent home there. It's just a great story of just one little lost animal finding an amazing new home and life through the amazing work of zoos and the collaboration done between the different zoos and facilities. Love it. And now, from something I love to something that I loathe. Y'all ever heard of Matt Walsh? I don't like Matt Walsh. Um, Matt Walsh is a conservative pundit. And uh, if you don't know who I'm talking about, don't look him up. Don't give him the time of day. He's one of those outrage specialists who likes to rant about things that he doesn't really understand and use anecdotal, quote, evidence to make his point and make people mad about the fact that the world is changing for the better. Anyway, you may remember that in last week's episode of Zoo News, I mentioned that my friends at AMZAP were featured in the Washington Post, and the article talked about how there aren't a ton of black zookeepers, but that the founder of AMZAP is looking to change that. The article also featured our friend and former guest, Jungle Jordan, who is amazing, and uh, just talking about how, you know, when he grew up, he didn't even know that you could be a black zookeeper. Well, Matt Walsh did not like the article, and so he released his own video pointing out that there is absolutely no systemic racism in the zookeeping field. <laughs> cool story, bro. Yeah. He, uh, he, he's just such a little snarky jerk about all of it. Uh, can I say that on a news thing? Yeah, whatever. He, he, this, is an, this is a fact. This is not an opinion. He's a snarky jerk. At one point, he says that, you know, when talking to zookeepers, you won't find many that are black. At which point, Matt stops and says, like, who even talks to zookeepers? I don't think I know any zookeepers. That's not an exact quote, but it's, it's close enough. I was rage watching, and I'm not going to go back to get the exact words. But uh, you get the point. Like, that means nothing. Okay, just because you don't know about this topic doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. I mean, from listening to Matt Walsh's stuff, he clearly doesn't know that things such as love, decency, or intellectual thinking exist, but they do, Matt. You just don't know or understand them. 
But this is the kind of thing that just blows my mind. It is well documented that there is systemic racism in the zookeeping field. Organizations like AMZAP are working hard to overcome that and getting national press in the Washington Post or the Rossafari podcast, one of which has slightly better distribution numbers than the other. But anyway, um, you know, that's important. And spreading the word is important and, and helping to destigmatize minorities in the zookeeping field is incredibly important. And for some entitled white asshat to start spewing half facts and his own personal experiences as though they matter in a field he knows nothing about can only help to set that back. So please, if you see this popping up anywhere, don't click it. Don't watch it. Trust me, not only will it give him views, but it will make you angry. I watched some of it and it made me angry, but I, I had to because I, I saw this happening and I saw uh, Jungle Jordan talking about the fact that it was bothering him and reaching out to Craig, the founder of AMZAP, to try to find out what their approach to this should be. And I needed to report on it for this. But yeah, if you see this popping up anywhere, just ignore it. And if you ever hear anyone quoting Matt Walsh, just shake your head and walk away. It's it's not worth it, y'all. It's really not worth it. Dude is a problem. An anti-captivity animal rights group known as the Non-Human Rights Project is suing the Bronx Zoo on behalf of their elephant, Happy, who is one of the animals that can be seen from the Bronx Zoo monorail. The group is relying on a writ of habeas corpus, a legal protection for imprisoned humans. And they have already been defeated twice in court, but have now taken it to the New York Court of Appeals, the highest court in the state. The entire idea here is implying that animals in captivity are, in fact, prisoners, and as such, have the right of habeas corpus, which is extended to prisoners. Without going into too much detail, the idea of a writ of habeas corpus is that it is the last chance many prisoners have to challenge the constitutionality of their convictions or of their sentences, and uh, it has vindicated tens of thousands of unlawfully detained humans. While that is the main purpose, it has also been used to bring social change before, including being used to free slaves that were not freed when they were supposed to be freed. It's definitely going to be interesting to keep an eye on this case, as while I expect it will fail, um, there are a couple of unique points to it. The group is not saying that all animals should be freed using a writ of habeas corpus, but that elephants in particular should be, as they, along with large primates, are the only animals known to pass a mirror test, which is a basic uh, test of cognition and self-understanding, and also because of their complex brains and social needs. And as you're sitting there thinking, well, they're elephants, so while we do need to take really good care of them and need to, you know, consider all that stuff, they can't have the same rights as humans. They just don't. They're, they're elephants. Well, a U.S. judge this week did rule that Pablo Escobar's cocaine hippos should have legal rights. Now, if you don't remember from a couple of different previous stories, um, Pablo Escobar was a drug kingpin who made a fortune mainly off of cocaine and had his private estate turned into a very illegal and highly not accredited zoo, which included bringing three female and one male hippo to his facility in Puerto Triunfo, Colombia. 
Most of the animals, once Escobar was killed, were taken to sanctuaries or zoos, but um, nobody wanted to mess with the hippos. Nobody really knew how to handle the hippos in Colombia, and so the hippos were set free. They then started to mate a lot. And those baby hippos started to mate with each other a lot. And as they are wont to do, they spread out and they took over large swaths of land. And now there are a bunch of cocaine hippos. Not hippos on cocaine, but hippos that got there from sold cocaine running around Colombia. Because of the danger these hippos posed to local communities, there were two different plans going around, one of which was to euthanize some of them, and another of which was simply to spay or neuter the hippos so that they couldn't continue to mate and wreak havoc as an invasive species. However, an animal activist group in the United States sued and got a U.S. judge to say that the hippos have rights, legal rights, and therefore cannot just be killed or sterilized without a trial, I guess? Question mark? This is very weird. It gets even weirder because you may have noticed something strange here. I, I mentioned that it was a U.S. judge who made this decision and that the hippos are in Colombia. And um, yeah, that, that's not how law works. So uh, this ruling actually has no legal standing in Colombia. But this is the first time in history that animals have been declared legally persons in the U.S., which goes back to the thing we were talking about with the elephants and all kinds of stuff. Should this hold up, and I severely doubt that it will, then are we saying that animals are people? I mean, kind of get it. We let corporations be people legally, so uh, I don't know. But but it's an interesting precedent that's going to need to be explored further because that would mean a lot of change in the worlds of zoos and, um, heck, even conservation. It, it, it goes to a strange place. I mean, you could really extend this one out and say that if animals are humans— Stepping on a bug is murder. Like, this goes to some weird places. So uh, just another thing to, to keep your eyes on uh, in the world of zoos, animals, and the way laws affect them. And now it's time for... Conservation! Conservation! News time! Oh, yeah! All right, so you may remember from some earlier episodes of Zoo News, or Zoos as I like to call it, um, that we have been looking at ways to help wildlife not get hit by cars using things like wildlife crossings and wildlife corridors that go under the road. Well, in early 2022, which is coming up pretty fast, the world's largest wildlife crossing is going to break ground in Los Angeles. That's right, y'all. This is crossing the 101 because, you know, if you say the name of a highway in California, you have to say the in front of it. It is the 101 freeway in Agora Hills, and it is going to help an isolated population of mountain lions there as well as all of the other wildlife, cross the eight-lane highway safely. 
Yay! This is going to be a 200-foot-long, 165-foot-wide wildlife bridge, and it's going to cost around $87 million, backed mostly by fundraising and private donations. That is amazing. I love that people with money and a heart for wildlife have come together to do this incredible project. I cannot wait to see the final result. And speaking of California, um, the current conservation efforts in the state are being compared to a modern-day Noah's Ark. Not in terms that they're a Bible story of questionable veracity, especially to those who do not believe in certain faiths. Cough, cough. But um, in that, there are a whole lot of species that are in some serious trouble in California right now, and so conservation efforts are ramping up in major ways. The state is facing unprecedented drought and unprecedented wildfires, and it is believed that hundreds if not thousands of species can go extinct from this in the near future. Many biologists who have been slowly working on conservation programs have decided to start to work together, team up, and accelerate their efforts to save these species before they disappear. In an effort to collect seeds and specimens of animals, biologists are often finding that the areas that they go to, expecting to find slippery areas and need mud boots and stuff like that, are now completely dry. And in areas where they were expecting to find hundreds, if not thousands, of specimens, they're often finding 10 to 100. It's not great. It seems like the new weather issues out in California, climate change based as well as, you know, human accelerated, uh, are causing these problems to accelerate greatly. And as such, conservationists, uh, flora, fauna, all of the above, are teaming up to really try to save the state's species. It is an unprecedented effort, and it's not like unofficial thing. There's not a group. I can't be like, hey, go check out SaveCaliforniaStuff.com. It's just the simple realization that biologists have had that they really need to step up their game out in California right now. And so they are working together in every way possible. It's kind of amazing what a group of of individuals can do and how uh, collaboration can really uh, ramp up conservation efforts. So y'all may recognize the names Najin and Fatu because they are the only two northern white rhinos left in existence, and they are a mother and daughter over in Africa. You'll actually get to hear a bit more about them on an upcoming episode of the pod, but, uh, you know, that's for then. This is for now. The two current living species have both been donating eggs to a program that hopes to use stored sperm and stored eggs to bring back more members of the species by artificially inseminating southern white rhinos who are genetically very similar to the northern whites. Sadly, at the age of 32, Najin has now been removed from the program and will no longer be donating any more egg cells due to her advanced age and signs of illness. That being said, the directors of the program believe that they now have enough northern white rhino embryos to successfully start to rebuild the population. So this isn't bad news. It's just mildly bummery kind of news. Is mildly bummery a phrase? No? Making stuff up? Eh, okay. And speaking of rhinos, the Care for Wild Rhino Sanctuary and the University of Pretoria have recently combined their efforts to perform the first ever successful CT scan on a live rhino in South Africa. 
After noticing an unusual swelling on the face of a white rhino named Oz, rehabilitators decided to try to figure out what was going on. So they talked to wildlife veterinarians, veterinary dentists, and other experts and decided to transport the bull, which weighs one ton, to the Ownderstaport Veterinary Academic Hospital for further investigation, where the CT scan was successfully attempted. The info gained from the CT scan will not only help Oz, but will help other rhinos in South Africa, and the fact that they now know they can do this will help with future rhino conservation as well. What an awesome, awesome thing. Yay, vets. So on this podcast, we often talk about the fact that humans affect animal populations. What we don't often dig into, though, is that we can actually affect the evolution of animals. Because after all, evolution is just how species respond to natural changes, right? Changes in the natural world, especially threats. And humans are that. So that's what makes it not surprising, but also kind of so amazing to realize that elephants in certain areas of the world are starting to evolve as a species by losing their tusks. How crazy is that? So, um, okay, so the study that I'm talking about here looked at a population of elephants in Mozambique that dealt with a human conflict from 1977 to 1992 in which fighters on both sides of a civil war slaughtered elephants for ivory to finance their war efforts. In this region, around 90% of all elephants were killed to fight a war. Cool. But anyway, the survivors were likely to share a characteristic, which is that... They were naturally tuskless elephants because there is such a thing. It's just really rare. Uh, in general, in a population, maybe a little less than a fifth of the population will be tuskless. However, because they didn't have ivory tusks, those elephants were not killed. And as such, those traits got passed on genetically. And now more and more elephants being born in the area are completely tuskless. How much, you ask? Welp, so far, about half of the daughters of the population became tuskless. And, and this is weird, they're not quite sure why, if this is just a fluke or not, but um, two-thirds of the elephants born during that time were female. So this is, this is a lot of tuskless elephants all of a sudden. When scientists looked at the genetics of all of this by taking blood samples of the elephants, they found that tusklessness has become a dominant gene. You are now more likely to be a tuskless elephant than not in Mozambique, especially if you are a female elephant. So, um, yeah, we're actually affecting the evolution of species, y'all. How crazy is that? In other Well, other news is going to start off with some good news this week and a follow-up to a story from just last week. We did it, y'all! Fans of the Rossafari podcast, uh, along with, like, literally the entire veterinary community, reached out to Peloton and let them know that we didn't think it was right that vets were not included in the medical discounts offered by Peloton. And Peloton has relented apologized and announced that veterinarians now qualify as actual medical professionals. So good job doing the right thing eventually, Peloton. And thank you to all of my fans who uh, were a part of that 
and again, like the wider veterinary community and stuff. But really, it, it was probably mostly Rossifarians. Let's let's be honest. It wasn't. And now I'm taking credit away from vets. But hey, we did our part too, and it's awesome to see all of that come together and um and and make that a thing. I'm very excited that Peloton listened. And last but not least this week, I am here to tell you about some musical lemurs. I like to move it, move it. I like to move it. No, no, wait, 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 wait. Nope, not those. We're not talking about Madagascar. Well, I mean, we're talking about the island of Madagascar, but not the movie. But no, there are some actual lemurs that are musical. The Indri Indri, a species of lemur in Madagascar, is one of a few animal species with rhythm. Haha, <laughs> drummers have that. I have that. Maybe I am an Indri Indri. Or a John. Anyway, it is the largest living lemur species and the only one that sings, and some researchers have now discovered it actually also has rhythm, rhythm in this case being defined as durational patterns that consist of sounds and silences. I like to think that my rhythm is a little bit more than that, a little, little has to do with something funky, and I don't know, okay, okay, I'm stopping, I'm stopping. But seriously, this is really cool. A 12-year study analyzing 636 recordings of vocalizations from 36 adult injuries found they share two different rhythmic patterns with humans. The first is isochrony, which is when the intervals between notes are evenly spaced. In this case, the lemurs sing in a 1 to 1 ratio and also in a 1 to 2 ratio pattern, meaning the second interval is twice as long as the first one. And honestly, I've worked with musicians who can't keep time that well, so that's really impressive. It's really cool to know that these lemurs have this talent. I'm going to call it a talent because, again, being rhythmic is a talent in my world. Um, and yeah, it's it's we're not sure what they use it for yet. They know it has something to do with communication, but why rhythmic stuff specifically is unknown. But uh, I am all about it because here at Rasafari, we like rhythm and we like to move it, move it. We like to move it. Oh, animal, oh, animal, animal holidays, animal, oh, animal, animal holidays, hey! All right, so let's get through these last couple days of October, shall we? Remember, October is Bat Appreciation Month and Adopt a Shelter Dog Month. And then uh, when we get to our individual days, um, Friday the 29th is World Lemur Day. National Sea Slug Day, and National Cat Day. So for anybody who has a lemur, sea slug, and cat in their life, you've got a lot of presents to buy today, my friend. And then uh, Saturday, October 30th, is, can't make this one up, y'all, National Hug-A-Sheep Day. Make sure that they consent. Consent is important. And then uh, the 31st, as you may know, not really an animal holiday, but it is Halloween, which uh, some people dress like animals. So, you know, there's a red panda onesie for adults on Amazon that I haven't bought yet, yet being the operative word, yet. And then that brings us to November, which is Manatee Awareness Month. And as y'all know, thanks to my experience at Moat Marine Lab, I am incredibly aware of manatees and just how awesome they are. And if you've listened to that episode, then you are too. 
All right. And then the only other individual day for this week is Wednesday, November 3rd, which is World Jellyfish Day. Yay. And those are your animal holidays for the week. All right, and there you have it, folks. Another episode of Rossafari Zoo News is in the books. Do we still have books anymore? I don't know. Anyway, uh, I'd like to say a special thank you to PJ Bevan and to Lara Shank. They are my Red Panda Level patrons on Patreon, where you too can support the pod. And uh, I also would like to say thank you to the following people who contributed to this week's stories. Colleen Lenahan, Anya Keen, Liz Dunlevy, Crystal Chapman, Peter Oilo, Michael Sebastian, and Lexi Kidder. And no, I'm not kidding. That's her real name. I've been waiting all episode to use that horrible joke. You're welcome. Remember, if you see me in a story, you can tag me in it on social media. You can email it to me at rossafaripod at gmail.com, or you can send up smoke signals and hope I notice them. I appreciate y'all so, so much for being a part of this, and uh, I'll see you next week for another awesome episode, and then in one week from today for another episode of Zoo News. And remember, y'all, rhythmic lemurs say the phrase, newsy credits, Backwards by saying Stydirk, you swen. Stydirk, you swen. The Rossafari Podcast is produced, hosted, and engineered by John Rossi. Editing and fact checking by John and Dr. Zoe Vesley Gross. Our theme song is Sevens by Nathan Burke, performed by Nathan and John. Interrupting John theme and additional voices by Taylor Isaac Gray. You can reach John directly on Instagram and Facebook at Rossafari or by email at rossafaripod at gmail.com. Rossafari is part of the Daydreamer Media Network. Now, stop listening to me and go visit a zoo.